Hello everyone, I'm Therese Bottomley, editor of The Oregonian and Oregon Live. This is Beat Chuck with The Oregonian. Today, I'm talking to Helen Jung, our opinion editor, and Laura Gunderson, our managing editor for news. The three of us, plus publisher John Maher, make up The Oregonian, Oregon Live's editorial board. Today, we'll talk about how the editorial pages differ from the news pages, and what the editorial board is looking at in 2024. We'll also talk about what Helen looks for in choosing which opinion articles and letters to the editor, which are submitted by readers, that we will publish. Helen, Laura, welcome to Beat Check. Thank you, happy to be here. Thank you so much. So Helen, tell us a little bit about your background in journalism. You've covered a lot of topics as a news reporter before you joined the opinion side on the editorial board. Sure, let's see, before joining the editorial board in 2014, um, I'd been a, a reporter for about 20, 22 years for news organizations in Seattle, Anchorage, and then here at the Oregonian starting in 2004. Um, most of my reporting career has been in business news, and I covered beats, including commercial fishing, technology, and the sports apparel industry. Um, but I've also spent a number of years on breaking news, courts, and related areas. Uh, but then again, in 2014, I joined the editorial board, which was then uh, led by Eric Lukens. Yeah, and I'm just remembering you were embedded in uh, with the Oregon National Guard in Iraq That's for right. a time as a reporter. I'd forgotten about that till just now. And Laura, you also have a deep background in Oregon news reporting and formerly uh, were the editorial page editor before you became managing editor for news. Yes, I started in sports as a sports clerk, kind of collecting scores on late on Friday nights when I was 20, and I just turned 50. So that's a long time at the Oregonian, and I joke that I've covered every beat and every geographic area that we cover. Um, journalism goes deep in my family. My grandparents were both journalists, and so was my grand great-grandfather at the Eastern Oregonian in Pendleton. So I have worked uh, across beats at the Oregonian. I served as the uh, editorial board editor in 2016, um, started working closely with Helen there, and then moved back over to the news side in 2018. Yeah, so I think that's a good uh, overview of like having a really broad and deep um uh, experience with issues important to Oregonians. So Helen, you write the editorials primarily um, um, now that Laura's managing editor for news. And, you know, those capture the view of the editorial board. So pull back the curtain a little and tell our listeners, like, how does the process work? Sure. And you mentioned this at the beginning, but I just want to emphasize again that uh, the editorial board consists of the three of us plus John Maher, our president. So um, none of the other editors or reporters at the Oregonians are responsible for the stances we take in editorials. So if people are upset, yell at us, um, yell at me, don't yell at them. Um, but basically what we do each week is we get together um, to discuss recent news, or things that might be on the horizon, um, and usually kind of select a, a few issues that we think we might like to weigh in on. Um, I then report at, report them out some more just to kind of see where things are. Uh, things are um, that might trigger another round of discussions with uh, the full board to better develop our position. 
Um, and then after that, I write up a draft opinion reflecting kind of our consensus and send it back to you guys and John for input and editing. Um, generally, we focus, um, actually not generally, we focus almost exclusively on state and local issues. So we've ri written pieces that have um, pressed the Multnomah County Commission on providing funding for the city's camping sites. We have followed the implementation of Measure 110 and actually called recently called for recriminalizing possession to help get people into treatment. Um, and last year, we wrote a lot about the teacher strike at PPS and how the district just didn't have the money to pay for what the union was seeking. And Laura, um, you know, the board, as, as Helen said, is independent of the newsroom. The newsroom doesn't see editorials until they're published, just like members of the public see them when they're published. Um, they don't have any influence over the editorial board's positions. The positions are informed by independent research and reporting, but also, and maybe you could speak to this, Laura, also by our longstanding principles and prior positions that have been stated, like, uh, I guess an example would be like doing tax reform comprehensively rather than piece by piece or, you know, uh, women's right to a to choose or something like that. So can you talk a little bit about sort of the broad principles and how, you know, probably close watchers of the editorial board wouldn't be shocked and surprised by um, most of the editorials? Yeah, I think one key thing that I I talk about on this front is, is just the idea that we're thinking about all Oregonians. Um, we obviously do a lot of kind of daily or week to week uh, editorials that focus on the Portland area. But for instance, when we are looking at endorsements or thinking about statewide elections or initiatives, we are really thinking about how these issues affect the state in this role, and we value it a great deal as an editorial board, we, we consider ourselves kind of at the table for some of these major decisions being made, and, and we're speaking to lawmakers in many cases, and that's why, you know, we think it's important to have this independent research and to think about all the ways this will affect different people. Um, politically, I think that we we evolve. Um, we, we change through the years. Uh, right now, I'd say we're pretty socially progressive and financially more, you know, conservative, conservative or thoughtful about how various um, taxes, for instance, are going to affect Oregonians. You'll see us regularly ask voters to think hard about uh, some proposals brought forward that do really good things, but also add to the burden on taxpayers in Oregon, many of whom are very are struggling already with the uh, uh, amount of taxes they're having to pay. So that's kind of one way that we we think about the decisions that are being made and and why we endorse in particular ways that we do. Helen, what am I what am I not hitting on? I think you pretty much covered it. I mean, I would I would totally agree that you know clearly our our exact positions and our priorities are going to shift with the membership of the board. Um, I, I would also agree we are, you know, socially liberal and uh, fiscally conservative from a statewide perspective, maybe not a Portland perspective, but certainly from a, a statewide perspective. Um, and, you know, so for instance, we, we believe in protecting abortion rights and also believe that the government should spend tax dollars in a fiscally sustainable fashion. Um, I would say a few other things that we've been really, you know, through the decades we've pushed for. 
are the critical importance of a strong public education system. Um, policies that help keep businesses um, running to support our economy. Um, we've advocated for transportation and housing investments as critical parts of our um, uh, of just maintaining our, our way of life and of, of sustaining Oregon. Um, we've called for accountability just time and again in and outside of government. And actually, Therese, you do this a ton in your column, but push elected officials to and, the, and public bodies to act with transparency. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, it's January, we all take stock. And in that vein, we recently published an editorial kind of laying out the board's agenda. It was very transparent. This is what we are thinking about and care about in 2024. I think you described the state of Oregon as having the weary feel of a fixer-upper, which was a great a great line, and I'll link to that editorial in the episode notes. But, you know, the other thing, I, I loved what you guys were saying about the careful stewardship of, of public dollars, um, the accountability. But, you know, there's also something around staying in your lane, that the growth of government beyond, you know, if, if you're uh, for maybe Multnomah County, should you be doing preschool for all of that? you know, a program where you're completely starting from scratch or Metro in some cases. So I think uh, the board's been a consistent voice for like sticking with areas of expertise where readers really can expect to see results and where there's accountability. Yeah, absolutely. One of the um, things that I think we do pretty routinely is when there's a, a solution being proposed, we ask, is this a problem that this entity should solve? Um, because that is really key to um, whether something is going to work. Does this entity, does this agency have the expertise, the organization, the people to actually achieve the desired outcome? Yeah, and uh, some of the areas you just mentioned uh, that were noted in the agenda editorial, um, you also talked about housing, you talked about homeless encampments on the street, the unsanctioned camps mental health and addiction being a key area the state is grappling with. You mentioned Measure 10 before, or Measure 110, sorry. Um, K through 12 education uh, and also electing competence in, in our leadership. So, so when you lay those things out, I mean, what is the goal of an editorial? I mean, what sort of response is the board looking for? I think ideally it's really just to um, provide another perspective in the debate from this group of people who love Oregon, uh, care about its long-term success, and whose jobs require us to be deeply informed about various issues. Um, and so, uh, you know, we're, we're highlighting issues that um, we want both policymakers and the public to consider. Um, and to kind of, you know, and acknowledging that our voice is one of many who need to help inform this debate. Um, but kind of like the idea with the, the, the agenda that we lay out each year is just to kind of highlight for, again, policymakers and the public that these are the, the key areas that we need to see real progress on. And these are also the, um, the ways that we're going to be evaluating um, leaders, evaluating progress, evaluating agencies and programs. Um, and so it is both, you know, a kind of uh, meant to be a nudge 
to um, Oregonians as a whole, as well as to just kind of be upfront with what we believe is important and how we are going to be uh, the lens through which we're going to be evaluating progress this year. Laura, do you have any thoughts about that? I mean, in your dream world, like when it, or editorial lands, when it publishes, it's like, what? what is the hope? Lawmakers Act. What else? <laughs> no, I, I do think that um, I, I, I couldn't agree more with Helen in terms of, you know, we are uh, in this group of people and, and uh, reading the news every single day far more than than most people have the ability to do. It's our job to keep abreast of this, understand the background. And so I think it's the institutional knowledge that uh, our editorial brings. I mean, think about the number of years that we all represent in terms of tracking what lawmakers do and don't do, what they say they'll do, and they don't do, um, and that's what we bring to bear. And and so I think it's just really important to um, to have that functionality. And I, and what I like about laying out our priorities at the beginning of the year is that I think it means that we hold ourselves accountable as well. We also usually at that time of year do a look back on what's changed and what hasn't. It forces us to say like, here's what we held up as a priority last year and here's where we've seen progress and where we haven't. So um, obviously, especially right now, it's very easy to um, find a lot of things wrong in, in Oregon and um, write about a lot of different things. But I think we really try to stay on track to really focus on those things that are priorities and that will change the most lives if they're addressed. So 2024, a big year, big political year, lots of elections. Um, the board makes endorsements. And, you know, I think just to help people understand, we're not, this is not like, we're not bookies. We're not setting odds. We're not like trying to pick winners. You know, we want them to win but we're picking the best candidate We're we might endorse a measure, say that we know we, we, we might object to a measure, say that we know voters probably will overwhelmingly uh, support, but we may have issues with, with the way it's structured or the accountability measures. Uh, we may have a candidate that we really like and endorse, but perhaps is not uh, does not have the, the campaign finance money behind that candidate and we know they may not win. So talk a little bit about uh, the endorsement process and um, what what we're looking for there uh, among the, in particular, the candidates. So uh, the endorsement process um, is usually driven by, um, or I should back up, um, it's going to vary depending on the, the kind of race it is, but um, typically if there are multiple candidates for a position, we'll send out um, uh, a questionnaire. And based on responses to those questionnaires, we'll whittle that down to just a, a handful of people that we want to interview in person um, all at the same time. Um, and that is, uh, that's meant to kind of make the most of the time that we have with so many different races. I mean, especially this coming uh, November where we've got 12 city council races, a mayor, an auditor's race, as well as statewide um, offices, et cetera. Uh, we're really looking to to see how we can provide the uh, the most uh, benefit to our readers. Um, but basically what we do is we're looking for um, people who um, uh, show that they have a record of accomplishing things, um, are um, 
show that they can be collaborative, that they can reach out across um, groups with whom, you know, and, and work with groups with whom they may disagree on, on other very key issues, um, and that they're effective in getting things done. And that actually ties into kind of one of our agenda items for uh, that we highlighted in our um, uh, editorial at the beginning of the year, that the importance of electing competence. You know, we see just, you know, that Oregon has been kind of turning its wheels on making progress in a number of fronts. Um, with the election of Governor Kotek, um, also on a county level, we're seeing from um, Julia Brim Edwards, there seems to be more momentum than we've had before to actually make real progress as opposed to spinning our wheels. So, you know, it really just kind of helps emphasize the need to, to that we have this opportunity, Oregonians have this opportunity to choose people with the experience, with the proven track record to make significant change. Certainly, um, Oregonians are, are crying out for that. I mean, we hear from people who really just want to see progress made on some of these longstanding issues that we've been dealing with. So to go to the endorsement uh, question again, you know, the Oregonian editorial board um, stopped endorsing presidential candidates under a former publisher and then started up again. So why did the current board, you know, feel it was important to make an endorsement in the presidential race? It's one way that helps people understand where your compass is pointed. Um, and certainly the presidential race is the single most important election for the country. I, I think the issue, you know, it, it, there's always, you know, a resource issue um, uh, in that there's just one editorial writer. Um, but also there's a ton of places where you can get endorsements on national races. There are very few that will provide endorsements on Oregon, Portland, Multnomah County elections. And that's where we have the most expertise. Um, in many, uh, throughout the year, we meet with elected officials, we meet with nonprofit organizations, with individuals and others who are deeply invested in, in the top issues facing the state. Um, and so we do have that kind of um, perspective that I think uh, gives a, an endorsement on a local race far more, um, I guess, uh, depth than, you know, our weighing in on a presidential election. Um, interestingly, um, our local endorsements always get far more traffic than national, even, you know, our, our local congressional um, representatives. So that kind of also tells you what readers value as well. Yeah, Laura, I don't know if you want to add anything to that. I know you were uh, on the board during some of those conversations about where to spend, you know, our limited resources most effectively to help readers make decisions. Yeah, no, I, I agree with everything that Helen just said. And, and I think to, to further that public service aspect of what we do, um, we uh, record most of our endorsement interviews. Um, it's kind of changed how we do it, especially through the pandemic, but we try to post those too so that our readers can go back and, and see this really valuable information. We're asking tough questions and, and when I say tough questions, I mean, <laughs> I encourage people, if they haven't, to go back and watch these and then and then look for them in the next round of elections. I mean, I think that Helen is somebody who, um, when when lawmakers know they're going to come before her, they they hopefully do their, their homework and <laughs> they uh, sometimes 
quake in their boots. I mean, it is a hard process to go through. It's usually an hour of discussion, and it's based on research that goes back throughout that lawmaker's uh, time in office. So you, you just don't see that level of scrutiny um, many other places. And I think that that is why we're a trusted source for that information. You know, people might disagree with our, where we land on an issue or a politician, but I do think we add value for everybody, every political stripe, when we just kind of ask through these questions that call people to account on their stances and their actions uh, in office. Fantastic. So, um, Helen, back to you briefly um, before we wrap up. What are what are you looking for when when readers have opinions they want to share, or maybe policymakers want to get the word out? What what are you looking for in the local op eds, the commentaries that are submitted, and then also letters to the editor, which you know we still get a lot of letters submitted um, from regular Oregonians who want to to make their voice heard. Yes, we do. Um, um, I'll start with letters because that's probably easiest and, and seems to be um, what we get the most of. Um, but letters are um, submissions of 250 words or less, emphasis on less, it does not have to be 250 words, um, that where a reader just wants to share a point or two, maybe they're responding to an editorial or an op-ed or you know, they want to add some context to a news story they read, or they're just really, um, uh, they want to share something about a national election. We don't um, have any kind of um, limits in terms of the topics that letter writers can write about. Um, we do have limits in terms of space, um, and we, uh, uh, it has to be a clear, um, statement of opinion that is grounded in facts. So we fact check these as well. Um, Op-eds are going to be a little bit longer, about 650, sometimes 700 words or so. Um, and what and what they should seek to do is to advance an argument on an issue specific to um, Oregon or Portland or local communities. Um, it should not be national or international in scope. And those also run the gamut. Um, a lot of times we'll have, um, there'll be op-eds that are responding, you know, laying out a, a, a long argument in response to an editorial, for instance, you know, directly refuting what, what we're arguing, because we do really believe that it is important to have a, a broad range of views um, and debate um, for really our, our civic health. I mean, the ability to, to disagree, to consider different points of view, consider the frame, the lenses through which someone is, is looking at something is really critically important if we want this state as a whole to succeed. Um, and so with, with op-eds, you know, we want um, uh, arguments that are ideally well-written um, and, uh, you know, th that haven't been published elsewhere. Um, but, you know, that's all something that, you know, People, if they're interested in submitting something, they are welcome to contact me. My email is hjung, H-J-U-N-G, at oregonian.com, and I'm happy to talk through any issue with you. That's great to know. Uh, also, um, there are guidelines on oregonlive.com. If you go to the opinion section on the menu, it tells you how to submit and what we're looking for. So thank you, Helen and Laura. That's fantastic uh, insight into how the editorial board works and what its processes are. And with that, we'll call it a wrap. 
Thanks so much for listening to Beat Check with the Oregonian. If you like this show, give us a five-star rating and review an Apple podcast. It really helps people find the show. Tell a friend, help spread the word. The best way to support our journalism is with a subscription to Oregon Live. You can do that at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Until next time.